So you remember three or four years ago, it was like a really big deal. Netflix raised their prices and everyone's like, ooh. I don't know if people are going to accept that. I don't know if people are going to cancel. And you know what happened? Nobody canceled. It went from like 12 bucks to 14 bucks. And everyone's like, you know what? Two bucks, not a big deal. <laughs> but everybody was worried about that. But the interesting thing about that episode is that like that was like the beginning of inflation. It was during the pandemic. It was the beginning of inflation. And, you know, there are some points in time in which producers have pricing power. And there are some points in time in which they don't. Okay. And that was really the first moment in time that producers had pricing power. And that was a very important and risky business decision. You know, uh, I suspect they have some people at the company that do calculations on whether this is going to work or not. Uh, if they raise prices, how many people are going to cancel? Not that many. So this concept is known as demand elasticity. This concept is known as demand elasticity. If something has elastic demand, you can't raise prices very much or demand will go down. Okay. If something has inelastic demand, it doesn't matter how much you raise prices, people are still going to pay for it. So gasoline is one of these things that has inelastic demand. It doesn't really matter how much gas costs, people are going to pay for it. Now, there will be some rationing if gas prices go up a lot. If gas prices went to $10 a gallon, people would drive less, but they would still have to drive some, right? But right now, around here, gas is a little less than $3 a gallon. If it goes to $4 a gallon, people are not going to drive any less. The demand is inelastic. They're ju they'll just spend less money on other stuff or save less. If gas went to $5 a gallon, they might drive a little less, but not much. They're still driving. Tobacco also has inelastic demand. And as you know, the price of tobacco has gone up a lot in recent years and people are still buying it. But I think we've gotten to the point in some areas where taxes on tobacco are so high that a pack of cigarettes could be 15 bucks. And I think people are doing some rationing. I think people are saying, you know what? Smoking is really expensive. I can't really afford $15 a day. <laughs> like, maybe I should quit smoking, which is kind of the point of tobacco taxes. That's the point of tobacco taxes. If you raise the price enough, then people will quit, and that's good for society, right? So... Anyway, I, I agree or disagree, that's the, that's the concept. So, With other things, people can be very price sensitive. You know, years ago, I thought that food was price sensitive. And I said, you know, if the can of Progresso soup goes up 50 cents a can, then people aren't going to buy it. Well, what's interesting is that we had a lot of food inflation, as you know. We've had a huge amount of food inflation, and people have to eat food. <laughs> they need food. So, you know, they're buying uh, cheaper brands and stuff like that, but they're still buying food. So, food is actually pretty inelastic. So, 
Clothes, on the other hand, are very elastic. Okay. If Kohl's get more, gets more expensive, people will go to Target. If Target gets more expensive, people will go to Walmart. It's usually how it works. Uh, when the price of clothes go up, people shop around for cheaper clothes. They go to Goodwill. They do stuff like that. My newsletter has very elastic demand. Okay. Though it varies per person. So the price of my newsletter is $795 a year. I'm talking about the Daily Dirt Nap. $795 a year. Some people would pay $10,000 a year. That's for sure. Some people would pay $10,000 a year. Some people would only pay $100 a year. There's really diff a lot of different opinions as to what the newsletter is worth. So I try to strike a balance and I generally charge people between six dollars and $800 a year. And that seems to work out okay. Okay, It's all about people's perception of value. If you want to study this stuff, you can study microeconomics. Take a class in microeconomics. You're going to learn all about demand elasticity. You're going to do the math behind it. It's pretty interesting stuff. Gas is inelastic, but it doesn't mean that gas stations can just charge whatever they want. The price of gas is determined on global markets and downstream gas stations are in competition with each other. And you see this, you'll have two gas stations across the street from each other and one will be a penny higher and one will be a penny lower and everybody goes across the street. So anytime the price goes up, <laughs> this was, I think the Obama administration had like 30 different investigations on gas price fixing. Uh, all those investigations came out to nothing. There's no global conspiracy on gas prices. Gas it's Biden did this too. He's like, let's go after gas station owners for gouging people on gas. Okay. You know, it just doesn't exist. They're all in competition with each other. You're getting the lowest prices. It's a globally traded commodity. Everybody is a price taker. Okay. With Netflix, it's probably more inelastic than they think, but they are in competition with other streaming services. So you have like Hulu and HBO Max and Showtime and stuff like that. And if Netflix is $24 and HBO Max is at $14, then you know what's going to happen, right? There's a limit as to how much they can raise it. If you enjoy Netflix, um, I suggest you don't cancel. $2 a month, $24 a year, I think you can probably handle that. I think you can probably handle that. That's $24 a year, right? You would, you would spend that on one cocktail in New York for Netflix, so... Let's talk about a very interesting business, Spotify. I've hated that business for a long time for a whole bunch of reasons, okay? They don't charge very much, but the demand is very elastic. They cannot raise prices that much. Spotify cannot charge $30 a month, even if it's worth $30 a month. Would you be willing to pay a dollar a day for Spotify? You probably would, but they can't charge that much. And they can't pay out less royalties to artists. They're already, they pay out practically nothing. They're famous for this. You know, that's the problem with Spotify is that nobody makes any money off of this. Spotify doesn't make any money off of this. It's one of the worst businesses in the history of the world. So, and think about it. They are pretty much a monopoly at this point. They have a huge market share and they still can't raise prices. It's nuts. Business is tough. 
you can have huge market power and you still can't raise prices. It is very hard to raise prices. You want to talk about a business where demand is fairly inelastic. Let's talk about phones. <laughs> we have $1,000 phones now. You know, one of, the, one of the best tweets I've ever seen was when, when Apple had its first $1,000 phone. Somebody said, well, for $1,000, it better have 10 U2 albums on it. <laughs> so, but the amazing thing, here's the amazing thing about Apple is they have huge profit margins. They have like 35% profit margins, and they have been able to maintain those profit margins over time. It really is the best business in the world. It is. So people, it doesn't matter what the phones cost. People still buy the phones. It's crazy. So the interesting thing about Amazon is that they do have some pricing power, but they generally don't use it. Okay. And Amazon is a good business. It makes money. It didn't make money for 20 years, but it makes money now. And my suspicion at the time was that they ran the retail business at a loss and they made up for it with the cloud business, which was fantastically profitable. Like Amazon, Amazon could raise prices by one or 2%. You would not even notice it. And it would have a big impact on their bottom line. And they absolutely refuse to. They refuse to raise prices. And for them, it is more important that they continue to grow. Although now Amazon is a mature company, I don't think they're focused as much on growth. And there's a lot of people who won't buy from Amazon. Just out of principle, they're like, I'm not making Jeff Bezos any richer. <laughs> Stop. Just That's one of the dumbest things of all time. Just stop. When you order from Amazon, <laughs> you're not making Jeff Bezos richer. You're making him poorer because they run the retail business at a loss. Okay, so order as much as you want. You're not helping Jeff Bezos. And that's a screwed up mentality. Anyway, everyone in this country has an underdog mentality. They always root for the losers. And I root for the winners. I root for the winners. That's what you have to do in the stock market. You cannot bet on the underdog. You don't root for the losers. You root for the winners. If you root for the losers in the stock market, you are going to lose a lot of money. You know, and I'm just editorializing here, but that's why New York used to be a great city because it was a town of winners. Take the Yankees, for example. The Yankees were a winning team they won 27 world championships and people would show up for, and root for them to keep winning, to win over and over and over again. They never got sick of it. Then uh, Bloomberg became mayor and he was a Red Sox fan and de Blasio became mayor and he was a Red Sox fan. So now New York is a town of losers and the Yankees will never win again. Sorry for the editorializing, but you should want Amazon to succeed. You need Amazon. You need Amazon. What a world it is where people root for the demise of the companies they need the most.